Before we begin our Torah study tonight, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kedsheno B'Mitzvotah V'Tzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Hanukkah is coming up, and it's a great time to consider tenacious faith. Hanukkah faith is tenacious faith. It doesn't give up, and it doesn't shrink back. In the face of adversity, it is tenacious. It holds on. Tenacious faith depends on God. When we have tenacious faith, we know that God himself is faithful and that he won't leave us or forsake us. Tenacious faith keeps holding on to Hashem, keeps holding on to Hashem's word. Tenacious faith keeps knocking at God's door and keeps asking, confident as Yeshua teaches us, that he will answer. Sometimes we just want the Lord to answer us with simple and clear answers. And I believe that our tenacious faith can be at work when we have those desires and needs. Sometimes we really have a need for clarity and for simplicity from the Lord. It actually helps us build tenacious faith. And I think it's part of the Hanukkah story that we read about in John chapter 10. People are coming to Yeshua. They're asking him to be simple, to be clear. And they say, just tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? It's almost the same question that many people had asked Yochanan years before when he was calling people to repentance and to immersion. You can read about it in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And they want to know, they ask him, are you the one? And Yochanan says, I'm not the one. I'm not Messiah, but I'm preparing the way for him. Now, later on, Yochanan sent his disciples to ask Yeshua, if Yeshua was the one. You see, there's this unquenchable desire to get this question answered, to get it settled clear and simple. Is Yeshua the Messiah? And so when Yochanan's disciples asked Yeshua this, he answered, tell Yochanan what you've heard and what you've seen. And then he calls out these details. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are hearing the good news. And then Yeshua adds this comment, and blessed is anyone who does not take offense at me. Clarity and simplicity. That's what they're asking for. Just tell us plainly. That's what people wanted to know from Yeshua. And we're going to read about it when they approached him in the season of Hanukkah. It's written about in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, starting in verse 22. And your English translation may be a little bit deficient. It may only use the word Hanukkah in the footnote, or it may skip it entirely, but I'll read to you um, a clear translation. At that time, the Feast of Hanukkah took place in Jerusalem. 
It was winter and Yeshua was walking in the temple area in the portico of Solomon. That turned out to be an area that was the favorite area for gathering for the Messianic believers. Verse 24, some Judeans then surrounded him and they began saying to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, and in Hebrew, they would be asking if you are Hamashiach, but it's good to know how Hamashiach would be spoken in Greek. It would be Christos. Hamashiach and Christos are Hebrew and Greek ways of saying the anointed one. So they're saying, if you are Hamashiach, if you are the anointed one, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Yeshua answered them, I told you, and yet you do not trust me. I told you. I did tell you. I have told you. I already told you. That's what Yeshua is saying. I've already told you, and yet you don't trust me. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. That's sort of like the answer for Yochanan's disciples. Tell them what you see. And Yeshua is saying, what I do on behalf of my Father, these testify of me. There's the evidence. That's the evidence. That's the answer Yeshua is saying. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. You don't trust me. You don't believe me. That's what Yeshua is saying. You don't believe my answers. I give you answers, but you don't believe me. You don't believe the answers I give, give to you. You're not part of my flock. You're not my sheep. And verse 27 makes it clear why. That my sheep, Yeshua says, listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So Yeshua is saying to them, you don't really listen to me. You don't put into practice what I tell you. You don't heed what I tell you to do. You don't follow me. You go in a completely different direction. Verse 28, Yeshua says, and I give my sheep eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. So this is an extremely important Hanukkah message. The Father and the Son are one. They are Echad. The Messiah is the visible manifestation of the invisible God. And Yeshua is stating very clearly two essential truths. First, Yeshua is the Messiah. I have no doubt about that. He's saying it clearly and plainly. Second, the Son and the Father are Echad. They are one. Now, we can observe that some people heard that as good news because they were ready to listen to Yeshua and to follow him. And other people heard the exact same thing in a different way. They heard it as bad news because they were interpreting these answers uh, as, as blasphemy, and they personally took offense. They were not ready to listen to Yeshua, and they were not ready to follow him. 
whatever Yeshua said to such people was, was used against him. They weren't blessed. The people who did this weren't blessed because they were taking offense at Yeshua. That was the condition of their hearts and minds. So the same set of facts, the same information, the same clear, the same plain and simple answer, the same clear words are treated completely differently by two different groups of people, those whose hearts are turning to Yeshua and those whose hearts are closed to him, those who aren't ready to put into practice what he's saying. Now, I think that Hanukkah is one of the great Jewish holidays that helps us find answers to some essential questions about God and life. At Hanukkah, if we remember the history behind it, the Seleucid Greeks had conquered the land of Israel. They had taken over the Jerusalem temple and defiled it. It was no longer a place dedicated to the worship of the God of Israel. Rather, it had become a place of idolatry. And the Seleucid emperor Antiochus, Antiochus Epiphanes, considered himself the embodiment of God, the epiphany of God. That was one of his titles, the manifestation of God. Just like some of the Roman Caesars considered themselves to be the manifestation of God. Same for Egyptian pharaohs who considered themselves also to be the manifestation of God. When the Maccabees revolted against Antiochus, they were reclaiming the Jerusalem temple for God, and they dedicated the temple once again to the God of Israel. The temple had been defiled, and it was time to clean it up. That's what Hanukkah is all about. Hanukkah faith is tenacious faith. It's not just about ladkas. It's not just about lighting candles. It's not just about playing dreidel. There's faith, tenacious faith, that belongs with Hanukkah. The word Hanukkah in Hebrew means dedication. It marks the rededication of the Jerusalem temple. It was also a rejection of all those powerful people who claimed to be gods themselves and the manifestation of God. So it's actually very significant that on Hanukkah, Yeshua speaks plainly and clearly in the Jerusalem temple. It's not a coincidence that it's happening at Hanukkah. And I hope that we can use such clarity ourselves during Hanukkah and the Christmas season. They overlap, by the way, this year. I hope that you can use our Torah and scripture study to give you more clarity about all of these issues. The readings this time of year speak of a number of different appearances of the Lord, and week after week, we are reading in Torah about different moments when the Lord appeared in the book of Genesis. And so we're preparing for Hanukkah. And as we're preparing, let's read some more of the appearances of God in Torah. This will strengthen our faith.
and our understanding together. It will help us build tenacious faith. It will help us build Hanukkah faith. It will help us build our faith in Messiah. And it will help us build the kind of faith that sees the continuity from the Torah through the prophets and the writings all the way to the apostolic writings of Habrita Hadashah, the New Covenant. We're reading now from Genesis chapter 31, verse 3. Then the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Now, just a, a comment. I make it periodically, but I'm going to make it again. It helps if you have read the scriptures. We are speaking about things that require some knowledge already, some context, and some understanding. And so I hope that you are fulfilling that because you'll better understand every message, every teaching, if you do that kind of advanced reading and that kind of um, study that um, is with our timetable too and with the traditional Jewish timetable for reading. So the Lord said to Jacob, go back to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Remember, the Lord had promised Jacob to be with him wherever he went and to bring him back to the promised land. So this was now the moment to head back. The Lord had made that promise decades before. Verse 10, Jacob recalls, in breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, or spotted. Verse 11, and then the angel of God said to me in that dream, Jacob, and I answered, Hineni, here I am. And I, I want to take a moment to connect what's happening here with Jacob, with the experience that he is describing, and what Yeshua said in John 10, by focusing on something Yeshua said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. I have an intimate relationship with them. That's what's happening with the Lord and Jacob here. The Lord calls Jacob by name, and Jacob answers, he nani, here am I. What is a hallmark of a true disciple of the Lord? They listen to the Lord, and they respond to the Lord. That's what Jacob is doing all the way back in uh, Genesis, in Torah. Verse 12, and the Lord said, look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, or spotted, for I've seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. So remember, it's the angel of God who's speaking, but it's the angel of God who says, I am God. I am Adonai. I am the God of Bethel. I am the Lord. And there are two important points to pay attention to in this statement, the angel of God is saying that he is God. First of all, this is not just a run-of-the-mill angel. This is, this is not one of the regular angels, folks. This is someone special who's called the angel of God. 
And second point, there's a connection being made between this appearance of God and the time decades earlier when God had appeared to Jacob at Bethel. And then the Lord says, now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. It's clear and simple instruction. The Lord is saying, it's me talking to you, and here's what to do. Some very concrete instructions, some very clear and simple parameters, things that can be easy to understand, maybe a challenge to do, because sometimes the clear and simple and direct instructions that we're given um, are, are simple but they're not always easy to do when our hearts are torn uh, in, in different directions. But a true disciple wants to do what the Lord says to do. That's how we know Jacob is truly a disciple of the Lord. Genesis 32, now in verse 1, Jacob went on his way. So he fulfilled what the Lord is telling him to do. And the angels of God, the angels of God met him and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. And so he named that place Machanaim, two camps. And in this chapter, in this verse, we are reading about more angels of God. And then verse three, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him. And it's useful to know that generally angels and messengers are referred to with the same Hebrew word, uh, malachai or malachim. And here it says, Jacob sent messengers, but they were human messengers, I think, not angelic messengers. Jacob sent messengers ahead of, ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. So Jacob is returning back to the promised land just as the Lord told him to. He's preparing for a potentially dangerous and even life-threatening encounter with his brother Esau, who has hated him. And there's a question, will Esau try to kill him? Uh, now 20 years, some 20 years later, as he's returning back. And uh, now... Here comes yet another appearance of God. And this one blurs a lot of boundaries. Is it a man? Is, is this one an angel or is this one the Lord? And I think the best answer is yes, a resounding yes. Verse 24, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, Pause for a moment and consider this. Jacob is not a weakling. He's quite physically strong. He has tenacity. He has power. He's a strong man. He demonstrated some of that strength when he set up pillars, uh, a pillar for God uh, back in Bethel when he was on his way out of the land of promise. And uh, those stones were, were quite large. And here he's demonstrating strength again because he has uh, he has endurance. And it says they wrestled till daybreak when the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob. So understood is Jacob is quite strong. Then that one touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that Jacob's hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. 
And then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. And Jacob replied, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you've struggled with God and with humans and you've overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed them there, didn't give them an answer. Verse 30, and so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. So Jacob is reviewing this uh, unusual encounter with a man, perhaps with the Lord, some of the later uh, translators tried to put it into other words to make it say it was an angel who he wrestled with. In any case, Jacob's testimony is, I saw God face to face and my life was spared. So Jacob is saying that he saw God. He saw God face to face and yet his life was spared. And I want you to Think carefully about this, because if you don't think it's possible for God to appear in this way, you'll have trouble with the text here in Torah. And then you might try to make it say something different. As a Messianic Jew who calls Yeshua Mashiach and Adonai, I can read this passage with confidence and with clarity because it fits into my understanding of how God has revealed himself many, many, many times in Torah, and how he revealed himself as well to, uh, to all of us by coming as Yeshua. Verse 31, the sun rose above Jacob as he passed Peniel, the place, and he was limping because of his hip. And that's an important detail. That's a clue that it wasn't just a dream or a spiritual vision without any physicality. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. The physical socket of Jacob's hip was physically touched near the physical tendon. So what kind of appearance of the Lord was this? It's not a vision or a dream, though clearly it happened at night, but there was definitely an element of physicality, uh, the physical presence of the Lord, because Jacob's hip socket was touched. And that is a moment of clarity in simplicity, in definition. It helps us understand the way things really are and what Torah is trying to say. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 35, a few verses here, verse 9 through 15. After Jacob arrived from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again. So here we have it, God is appearing again. A lot of appearances of the Lord. And if people ever say to you, well, where was Yeshua in the Torah? You can point to this. These appearances of the Lord are the answer to this. Now, if someone thinks that God can't appear as 
a man. He can't take on a human body as he did in coming to be our kinsman redeemer as Yeshua. Then they also may struggle with all of Torah and everything that Moses uh, teaches us about what God has done here. God appeared to Jacob again and blessed him. Verse 10, God said to him, your name is Yaakov, Jacob, but you will be called Yaakov no more. Your name will be Yisrael. And thus God named him Israel. God further said to him, I am El Shaddai. Now let's stop for just a moment because the Hebrew says that God appeared to him again, which means God had appeared to him before. So this is not the first appearance of the Lord. This is one of several appearances, and it's useful for us to understand they're meant to be connected. We're to understand the connection. It should be clear to us that they are connected because the scripture says it absolutely plainly and simply. God further said to him, I am El Shaddai, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed a group of nations, will come from you. Kings will be descended from you. Moreover, the land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. This is awesome. God's covenant with Abraham and Isaac is extended to Jacob, but it's not just extended in concept, it's personally extended to Jacob, the man. The covenant and the promises are for Jacob too, and they are also for his descendants. And in this way, Esau is quite different. Verse 13, then God went up from Jacob, and I want to emphasize, even underline this phrase, went up, God went up from Jacob, there where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a standing stone in the place where the Lord had spoken with him, a stone pillar. And that's another indication of Jacob's strength. And Jacob poured out a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. He anointed it with oil. And Jacob called the place where God spoke with him, Bethel, the house of God. So here God appeared, he spoke, and then he went up from Jacob there, and God went up. You could say that's a trademark description of the Lord, this going up. And this other very interesting detail, Jacob pours oil, that is, he anoints the pillar with oil, and this connects thematically with Messiah, the anointing and the anointed one. The appearances of God with Jacob are the appearances of the anointed one. Some other scriptures where God goes up, just to show you a pattern in Torah and the apostolic writings, Genesis 17, verse 22, when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. Same phrasing. Luke 24, verse 51, while he was blessing them, Yeshua left them and was taken up into heaven. So here Yeshua goes up from them. And then Acts chapter 1, verses 8 through 11, Yeshua says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9, after he had said this, they watched as he was taken up. 
and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him, men of Galilee. They said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Yeshua who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Hanukkah is a wonderful time to ponder the appearances of God, God in this world, the God of heaven, the God of earth, the God who comes down and he goes back up. That's the way he does things, folks. Well, you may be one of those people who needs plain and simple answers, and I hope you find plain and simple answers today and in the days to come. Let your faith grow strong and let your heart grow strong. And you be decisive. You be plain and simple too. You say yes to Yeshua. Say yes to Yeshua's Mashiach and Adonai. Be clear with yourself. Be clear with the Lord. Be clear with us. Tell us when you say yes to the Lord. It'll be the very best decision you ever make. It will turn this Hanukkah into an unforgettable time for you. And I want to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of repentance that leads to life. Thank you for pouring out that gift upon many during this season. We trust you, Lord. We want to walk with you now and all the days of our life. We want to walk with you faithfully. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. In a moment, we'll close with Aaron's blessing and a final worship song. But first, would you consider a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And now Aaron's blessing, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the awesome light of his face to shine upon you, and may he be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace, his shalom, in the name of the Prince of Peace, Sar Shalom, Yeshua, the Messiah.